The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. A lot of God's people are down and out. They're pulled down. The oppressor is wreaking havoc. But he tells us here in his word to be glad and to rejoice because we as a church have got a reason to be glad. We as a church have got a reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter if things don't go the way the way we thought that they should have went. Just as the song before them that they were singing was, you are perfect in all of your ways. He's perfect in all of his ways even when we don't understand it. But chapter 2, verse 21 says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Did you hear me today? For the Lord will do great things. They're singing about it, and they're saying, You're a great God. You do miracles so great. There is none that is like you. He will do great things. Let me tell you, He has done great things. He's doing great things, but this right here tells us, futuristically speaking, that he is going to do great things. You want to know what they are? They're, just read the Bible. Read the book of Acts. Those were great things then, but he's getting ready to do even greater things now. All he's looking for is a people that will dare to believe him. That's all he's looking for is people that will believe God is still God, that he's still upon the throne, that everything that we need today, he has already provided. Satan is trying to do all that he can to distract us. He's trying to do all that he can to hinder us and deter us from what God has called us to do. But God is saying, fear not, be glad and rejoice because the Lord will do great things. And I don't know about you, but I'm standing upon that promise. I'm standing upon His Word. He is going to do great things. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You today in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank You for this promise. Lord, we thank You, Lord, that You're still a God that is doing miracles. Lord, You do miracles so great, God. Lord, what You do, no other man can begin to duplicate no other man can begin to create because the miracles you do are from you and you alone, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you're doing. We thank you for the miracles that you have done. But God, we stand upon your word today, God, and we believe you for the miracles that are going to come. And right now, Lord, we pray for your people, God. Lord, there are needs in the hearts and lives of your people, God. And some of them are in need of a miracle right now. But God, they've come to the right place, Lord. And Lord, you're reminding today, Lord, that you do miracles so great, Lord. So God, I pray, let us believe you, Lord. Let us believe you, Lord. Let us get our eyes off of the situation, Lord, and let us get them upon you, Lord, and to believe you for that miracle. Because God, the miracle's on the way. The miracle's on the way that we're standing in need of. The miracle that we've been crying out for, that we've been praying for, it's on the way, Lord. God, let us not quit believing right now because it's just in sight. Lord, the miracle's just within our hands, Lord. And the enemy wants us to stop right now to stop us from receiving that miracle. But God, let our faith be strengthened today to believe you for the miracle, Lord, that you and you alone can provide, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for what you have done. But God, we thank you even more for what you're going to do, Lord. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, and holy name, amen and amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. So glad that we don't serve a dead, dead God. Amen. All the other religions of the world, whether it be Islam, whether it be Hinduism, whether it be Buddhism, you name it, it doesn't matter. All of the other religions in the world, they serve a dead, dead God. Amen. But we serve a living and resurrected Savior. We serve a God who was alive, who said that I have always been, I am now, and I forever shall be. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for him and to know him. Amen. Uh, turn with us in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. And as you're turning there, again, we, we invite you to come. We are open. Some of you may have clicked in online and haven't heard the latest of news, but the church is open uh, legally. It is right. Uh, the sanctuary is now open for all to come, not just here, but elsewhere, places of worship for which we give the Lord the praise. And so we just want to invite you to come and be with us Sunday mornings at 1030, Sunday evenings at 6, as well as Wednesday night at 7. Amen. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, if you're there, say amen. Amen. We're going to be reading the first seven verses. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose. And I want you to underline those three verses there. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. And for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Let me read that verse one more time, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. In verse 7, wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. I want to preach a message entitled this morning, There is Bread in Judah. There is bread in Judah. And when seeking the Lord this past week for what he would have me to give, as I always do, uh, the Lord dropped this into my heart, dropped this into my spirit. There's bread in Judah and, and just took me right then and there to the chapter 1 of the book of Ruth. And I am also aware, and I think we forget sometimes, that it's not only people that are sitting here within the sanctuary that is listening in, but it's also those that are listening in online. In fact, yesterday, the uh, video that I had made yesterday announcing that the church was open has been viewed 2,500 times, all because of one individual that had shared it to multiple pages in another state. And because of such, we now have brand new followers of the page in Alaska, in Pennsylvania, that 
is now watching the services. Let me tell you, God knows what he's doing. Even when it doesn't make sense to us and things don't understand, he is perfect in all of his ways. Amen. He is perfect in all of his ways. And Satan has thought that he is going to shut down the gospel, but the gospel is going forth. Amen. Exactly in how God wanted it to do, going into the uttermost parts of the world. They may not have a good church to go to. Some of them may have never heard the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. But when they click in on this page, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, when he dropped this into my heart, he let me know, don't just focus on, don't just think that it's here in the sanctuary. It's those that are watching by the way of internet as well. Amen. So I want you to join in with me as we pray. And again, there is bread in Judah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Lord that we have felt in this house. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is here, Lord. Lord, your Holy Spirit is what makes the difference, God. Lord, your Holy Spirit is what convicts hearts. Your Holy Spirit is what draws hearts. Lord, your Holy Spirit is what heals. Lord, it is you and you alone, Lord. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here today, this morning, moving in our midst. Lord, your word tells us that where any two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. And Lord, I pray that we would remember that this morning that you are here in the midst, God. And Lord, whenever you show up, whenever you're in the midst, it is because you desire to do a work in the hearts and lives of your people. So God, we ask, Lord, that you would move today. Lord, we ask, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon our lips. Lord, that every word that is spoken would be saturated in your oil. Lord, that every word that would go forth, Lord, would not only, uh, God, uh, uh, touch those that are here in the sanctuary, but those by the way of internet. And that, God, you would penetrate their hearts. Lord, that you would anoint their hearts and prepare them even now to receive your word. God, we take authority, Lord God, and bind Satan right now. And we take authority over every hindrance and every distraction. And, God, I pray for this moment, Lord, for this moment right now, Lord, that, Lord, we would lay aside every thought. We will forget about everything and focus in upon your word. The Lord will forever give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, amen. And amen. In the book of Ruth, it opens up with quite a chilling statement. Right here it tells us that it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine. Quite a chilling statement, a famine. And if any of us know what a famine is, and we've heard of it, it is a lack thereof, a lack of food. You read about it and you hear about it in, in countries around the world where there is famines of bread, where there is famine of food, and the people are malnourished, the people are menstruated, they, they're diseased because they have nothing to eat, and they're dying because they have no bread. And so here we see that this was what was going on in the place where Ruth, and her family were at. Now, <clears throat> consequently, the book of Judges, it comes right before the book of Ruth. And we see here in verse 1 that it was in the days when the judges ruled. So a lot of people think that Ruth and Judges were put together because this family was part of this time when the seven judges were ruling Israel that God would raise up again and again. So uh, the opening of Judges, we see where Joshua, where Joshua who had been faithful to God and faithful in leading Israel the right way, 
He had been faithful to the call that God had told him to do. But when he died, we see that nevertheless, uh, that the people began to stray and to serve other gods. And we find in chapter 2 of the book of Judges, the children of Israel, if you read that chapter, and in fact the whole book of Judges, it is a grim story of the people of God. How they were forsaking the Lord. They, God had just performed miracles for them. God had just brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And yet they were forsaking the Lord and turning to other idols. And God had proven himself. Think of this, he had proven himself to them time and time and time again to have been faithful. And, but nevertheless, they would return their back on Jehovah and would go their own way. In fact, throughout the book of Judges, you will find this particular phrase, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> and think about this, these were God's people who had been brought out of Egyptian's bondage, and he says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, this span here of 200 years, Israel's rebellion against the Lord and their corruption was taking place where they were literally acting like the Canaanites instead of acting like who they were called to be, and that's God's children. Now, does this not sound familiar in the day and hour in which we're living in? God's children are called to be a holy people, as the Bible tells us, a people that is set apart. But the statement has been made, and you have heard it said again and again, and it ever rings true, especially in the day and hour in which we're living in, where it's hard to tell the saint from the sinner. We got so many people that are professing Christianity, that, that are professing to be the children of God, that are professing to be a part of the church, but yet their lifestyles are not reminiscent of their claims. In fact, we got those in leadership within our government that wants to talk about faith and wants to talk about how they miss congregations and they talk about this and they talk about that and they raise their hands and they claim the name of Christianity but yet they are for the murder of unborn children. Don't tell me you know Jesus Christ when you stand for same-sex marriage, you stand for transgenderism, and you also stand for the abortions of children. But yet we say we're saved and that we know the Lord. Let me tell you, you don't know the Lord if you stand for that which is contrary to the word of Almighty God. And what we see today is exactly what was taking place all throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel. So if one wants to know how God deals with the church when they go into rebellion, all you have to do is read the Old Testament and you will get a clear picture of what happens each and every single time. So the evil that they were committing was that they were following after other gods and the anger of the Lord was against them. And so God would allow them to be turned over into the hands of the enemy. You want it that way, so be it. I'm going to turn you over into the hands of the enemy because they had forsaken the one who was responsible for their blessings. Israel was, had forsaken who God was and what God had done and they began to lift up other idols and they began to worship these little gods, the little G-O-Ds and they had forsaken the big God, amen, Jehovah. So we see from the very beginning that when they started turning to the Lord, when they would turn back, he would extend mercy to them. 
And he would raise up judges in that day to deliver them from the enemy's hands. Now you have to understand these judges that God had raised up and there were seven of them. And if you read through the book of Judges, you will see how God used each and every single one of them in a miraculous way. But he would raise them up to judge the nation of Israel during the times of going after other gods. And again, the result was and will always be you fall in the hand of of the enemy when you forsake the Lord you fall into the hand of the enemy but each and every single time because of the Lord's mercies he would deliver them when the judge would he would raise up and Israel would begin to turn their heart back to him he would deliver them out of the enemy's hand so time and time again he showed mercy to them there's nothing that, listen, there's not a truer statement that could be said that God is a merciful God. He has extended and showed mercy unto me. He has extended and showed mercy unto you day in and day out. And we better be thankful for his mercy. The Bible tells us in Lamentations that it is new each and every single morning. You might have used up all the mercies yesterday. You might have failed tremendously the Lord yesterday. But let me tell you, when you got up this morning, new mercies was applied for you, was applied for me amen so again seven times this would happen Israel would sin God would judge Israel would repent and God would deliver that's what was going on sin God would then judge they would repent and God would then deliver them and bless them because of repentance let me tell you something if we want deliverance and we want blessings it starts with repentance it starts with repentance. And that is a word that we don't hear much about anywhere, any in the church. But you can read of the prophets that God would use in the Old Testament. And they were preachers of righteousness. They preached repentance. And we think that repentance is a one-time thing when we come to know the Lord and we receive salvation. But let me tell you today that repentance is supposed to be continual in the life of a born-again believer. Repentance should never stop. It should continue to come forth, and especially us crying out on behalf of the church and of the world as well. Amen. So with this very first verse in the book of Ruth, we see a famine had come to the land. So it was more than likely that this scene which opened up to us is because of one of these seven times that you would read about in the book of Judges. And a famine was generally used by God as an act of judgment because of strain from him. Well, I thought he was a good, good father. He is good. And he, he knew that if he didn't allow these famines to come upon and he did pull back a little bit, they would go so far out. And we see before what he had to do. He had to destroy and wipe out the whole entire world because that's exactly how much sin was there, amen? So it was, a famine was always a result of the spiritual declension of the nation. And the only way that God could get them to turn around again was, again, to allow them to fall in the hands of the enemy. Let me tell you, the answer for their corruption, for their rebellion, and really the rebellion of all man, can be summed up in one scripture. Now let me say that again. The rebellion of all man, the corruption of all man, can be summed up in one verse, and it's the verse that ends the book of Judges in chapter 21, verse 25, and it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, hear me, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes 
That's the reason why there is rebellion in man. That is the reason why you see the corruption today. Because man does what man thinks is right. And it doesn't matter what you and I think is right. What does the word of God say? Because this is truth. This is right. It doesn't matter what man's opinion is. It doesn't matter who says what. What does the word of God say? So here is the picture and the reason for the famine. Because a man is establishing their own morality. And is this not the spirit of the age that we're living in now? Well, I think that this is right. Well, I believe it this way. Well, I don't necessarily believe it the way that you do. And we think that we are right and we want to be our own God. And a lot of the reason why we see this in the church today is because of this poor spiritual leadership that exists within the church. Because let me tell you, the laity will always follow the direction of the leadership of the church. And when we fail to preach righteousness, when we fail to preach holiness, when we fail to preach sin, when we fail to preach that Jesus Christ has died on Calvary's cross to redeem us of our sins, when we fail to preach the whole entire Bible instead of just picking and choosing what we want to preach, this is the result, what happens. Man goes in their own direction because we've got poor spiritual leadership. It exists now more than ever before. Let me tell you, I've talked to people. We're getting messages. People don't even have a good church to go to. They long for this, where the Spirit of the Lord moves, where they sense and feel the presence of God. And it's because of who we're lifting up. And His name is Jesus, amen? So we don't go by what we think is right. Because what we think is right is contrary to the Word of God. You see, the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful. We don't like to think of ourselves and our hearts being deceitful, do we? But, the, but Jeremiah tells us that the heart of man is deceitful above all things, above all things, and desperately wicked. So when left to what we think is right, we will always veer off the right path that God intends for us to be on. Because our heart is deceitful. It come, we got that sin nature uh, that, that dwells inside because of the fall of Adam. And when we begin to rely upon what we think is right instead of what the Lord says, we're always going to veer off on the wrong path and from the right path which God would want us to be on. So it doesn't matter what I think is right, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. In fact, there should be no discussions, there should be no church meetings going on to discuss what we think about this topic or what we think about this topic, and we should be going around having a vote over moral issues that the Bible has already given us a clear-cut answer on as to what he says about it. There are denominations here just within the last six months ago that were coming up and were trying to vote on whether or not it was okay and to legalize a homosexual to stand behind the pulpit and to preach the word of God. And but for a church and but for a sector of the people in Africa, South Africa, it would have been passed. Let me tell you, God help us. And we want to know why this world is in the condition that it's in now. Look what the way the church has went to where we are bypassing what the Lord says. Listen, sin is still sin. And that doesn't mean because we preach against sin that we hate the sinner. No, we don't hate the sinner. We love the sinner. What we hate is the sin because we know what it will do to the lives of people. It destroys 
It tears them down. And ultimately, if they don't repent, it will cause them to go to hell. That's why we stand here and we take the boldness and we take the stance in which we take. It's because we love the sinner enough to tell them. Let me tell you, if you love a man, you're going to tell him the truth. To not tell him the truth means you really don't love him. So we find here a famine had come to the land of Bethlehem, Judah. Now Bethlehem means house of bread in the Hebrew. And Judah means praise. So here we find they were in the house of bread and praise. And the place that should have been overflowing with milk and honey was dried up. Now think about this. The place that should have been overflowing with milk and honey where God had brought them to, Bethlehem Judah, was now all of a sudden dried up. And there was a hunger because there was no bread and there was definitely no shout of praise going forth. But understand that all of this was because man was doing what he thought was right in his own eyes. It wasn't that God couldn't supply. It wasn't that he wasn't able to supply. He wanted to, but because man was going man's own way, he had to pull back so that they could see because they had gotten so blinded in the direction that they were going in. The church is in the condition it is today because of this right here. And we wonder why we're seeing fewer people being saved. We're wondering why we don't see these miracles in which we say that was done 60 and 70 years ago. We wonder why we're seeing fewer people delivered from the horrible bondages that are in their life. And I can tell you it is because of the direction that the church has went in. And the only answer for this is for the altar to be repaired. Let me say that again. The only answer, the only solution to fix the problem that this world is in is not another program, it's not another fad, it's not another self-help group, it's not another small group. Listen, the answer is Jesus Christ to preach what Christ did at Calvary. And that right there is what repairs the altar. So we see in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah had to repair the altar that was broken down. Because when the altar was right, then guess what? The fire would fall down from heaven and it would consume the burnt sacrifice. It would consume the wood. It would consume the dust. And it would literally lick up the water that was dug around in a trench. You see, when we come back to cross, when we come back to Calvary, when we come back to preaching what this is all about, Jesus Christ and him crucified, then we'll see the fire fall down. You know why? Because we're offering up the right sacrifice. The problem with the church is we're not offering up the right sacrifice, so therefore the fire's not going to fall down. But when we offer up the right sacrifice, when we begin to proclaim the truth, we'll see the fire fall. We'll see souls come to Jesus. We'll see these miracles that we desire to see again. Amen. So the repair that God is calling the church to, again, is not to a building or to a program, but rather to the altar that our faith be reestablished in Christ. So again, we see this family here in Bethlehem, Judah. We see the, the members of this family, and it lists their names. Elimelech, Naomi, two sons, Malon and Chilion. And times were tough because there was a famine. Let me tell you, when a famine comes, times get tough. And so Elimelech, whose name consequently in the Hebrew means God is my king, but you would have never thought that he truly believed that by his actions. 
Amalek says and makes a decision and looks at his family and says, pack up your bags. We're getting out of here. We're getting out of the house of bread. We're living praise, and we're going to head down south, and we're going to go to the land of Moab. Amalek didn't seek the face of God. Amalek did not pray. He wanted to do what only he wanted to do. And so he took matters into his own hands because things got a little bit tough. And instead of seeking the face of God in which God would have told him, you stay right here, you stay where you belong, you stay where I've called you to, he picks up because he's going by what he thinks is right. And he picks up his whole family and says, we're getting out of here. We're going to Moab. Doing what he thought was right. Doing what he thought was best for his family. Can I tell you that Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Just because it seems right does not mean that it's right. Going back to what I just said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and we think things are right, but just because we think it's right does not mean that it's right. So the way that seems right is always the way of self-indulgence and self-will. But let me tell you, it never ends well. In fact, all of the different ways of death come from the commonplace, and that commonplace is self. Self wants to be in control. Self wants to do what self thinks is right. And that is the reason why it always leads to destruction. You see, we do not know what is best, only he does. And that is exactly why Christ said, if you're going to follow me, the first thing you've got to do if you're going to truly follow after me is you've got to deny yourself. Because if you don't deny yourself, you're going to get yourself into a whole big bunch of trouble. Deny yourself, realize that you've got nothing, that you are nothing, that I am your everything. Deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. But you'll never truly be able to follow him until you first deny yourself. So Elimelech didn't ask for the will of the Lord. He didn't pray. He didn't seek God's wisdom, but simply relied upon his own intellect. You see, times got tough, and he said, I've got to get somewhere else. But can I tell you today, you cannot run from the difficulties of life. There are many in the church who don't like it. They love Jesus. They love him pouring out his spirit. They love it when they're on top of the mountain. But when things get a little bit tough, they say, I don't like this. When, when the enemy begins to press in on them a little bit more, they say, I can't stand this, and I've got to get out of here. I need to go back. I need to go to a place of familiarity. You can't run from the difficulties of life. You can't sweep them up underneath the rug. They're still there. And God wants you to bring them to him and let him deal with them. So God had made a covenant promise with Israel. And his promise was that he would always provide for them. And his promise is the same to you and I today. That he will always provide for us whatever it is that we need. But we have got to trust him. We've got to believe him and take him at his word. You see, this was his first mistake and the mistake that we all have been guilty of making time and time again. Because here's the problem. We consider all of the circumstances that are on around us and we take our eyes off of Jehovah and we begin to place them upon the problems. That is why you see the doom and the gloom of God's people. That's why you see people falling apart. Because as soon as a storm comes, as soon as a problem comes, we get our eyes off of it, we give it all of our attention, and we forget about the one who is still able to do whatever it is that we need him to do and God's saying hey it's time to stand upon my word because if you try to live this life by feeling 
you're in deep trouble. You've got to live this life. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So Elimelech was running to another king. Remember I said his name was my God is my king. But you would have never thought it. And in fact found himself running unto another king of another kingdom to get bread. And he says we're going to Moab. We're getting out of the house of bread and praise. Now you have to understand Moab was a country, was a place that was forbidden by God for God's people to go to. They were never supposed to go to Moab. They were never supposed to even go and visit. They weren't supposed to have anything to do with it. Moab was a country and it formed, if you read back, I believe it's in Genesis, where it says that the, the descendants of Lot, it came from the descendants of Lot. Remember, it was where his daughters had and had an incestuous relationship with his father, had become pregnant. That wasn't supposed to be. So this is where these Moabites, this is where this country of Moab had formed, and God's children were to have nothing to do with it whatsoever. In fact, we find in Judges chapter 3 that for 18 years, 18 years, Moab ruled the children of Israel with a wrought iron. Ruled them with a wrought iron. And let me just say, you, you may not know the backstory. Moab was so wicked, so vile, that they would offer up little children as sacrifice to their gods. Do you hear me? They believed and worshipped the god Shemoth. And they, and they would dedicate five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and they did it all in the name of God. We're throwing them in the fire and sacrificing, and the screams would reach out. The screams would scream out of little kids dying, and they were sitting there thinking they were doing the will of God. The insanity. Let me tell you, this is what sin will do. It is insane. And you think, well, I would never do that. You don't know what you would do. Because we are all capable of doing anything. And when we begin to start placing faith within ourselves, that's when we fall. Amen. So the final, the famine that led him to a foreign country uh, to receive what he thought he needed. And this is what happens so much in the church today. They are running to the world because they, can, they think they can receive what they need. You see, Moab is a type of the world. And whereas Elimelech had taken his family from the place, the church, if you will, where God had told him to be, he says, I'm going to Moab to get what I need. And this is what happens in the church. We got God's children that love the Lord. They've been blood ball. Times get tough. And they run to the world to receive what they think the world can provide them. The famine in life we encounter should drive us to God, not to Moab. The famines that we can feel, the, the famines that we can encounter in this life should never run us to Moab, should never run us to the world, but it should always run us to God, to fall down on our face before Him. And let me tell you, just because there's a famine in the world does not mean that there has to be a famine in your soul. Because there's a famine going on in the world today. There's a famine going on in the church world today. But I'm so thankful that even though there's a famine there, I don't have to have a famine in my soul. The Bible says that I can pull up as I preached last week to the table of grace and I can be filled up each and every single day. I don't have to be in want. You don't have to be in want. He's not lacking anything that you need. So regardless of which direction the world's going, regardless of how many in the church is going, you can be full of Him and have as much of Him as you want. All you got to do is pull up 
you say, there is nothing in the world for you. And I say this because I believe with all of my heart that there are many in the church right now and because of all that is going on, because we're living in the last days, the enemy is doing all that he can to try to rob people of their faith and they are at the crossroads of life and wondering whether or not they are going to continue on with the Lord or go back to the ways of the world. It's the truth. With two directions. And you can either continue on with the Lord or you can go back to the way of the world. And there are many right now that is within the church that are, that are seriously contemplating on getting off on the wrong path because they don't like what they're encountering. And this over here looks good. This over here seems comfortable. This over here is familiarity. And the enemy is painting a pretty picture, putting a pretty ribbon all the way around it. But the inside of it is poisonous. And we're not to travel down that road. You see, many times, again, the Christian thinks that the world has it better, but nothing could be further from the truth. Do you hear me today? The devil will make you, child of God, think that the world has it better. They don't have it better. You're on the winning side despite what is going on. You're on the winning side. He didn't promise us that it would always be easy. He didn't promise us that you would never have to walk through the fire. But as they were singing in that song, she had no idea of the message that I was preaching. But the lyrics of each and every single song has lined up with this message. You have brought me through the fire. I will live in the goodness of God. Because even when I'm walking through the fire, just like the three Hebrew children, they wasn't burning, didn't even come out with a stench of smoke upon them. Because the old king thought that he had threw three in. But he looked in and said, oh, wait a minute, I see four men walking around he'll be there with you in the fire he'll be there he said that when you pass through the rivers they shall not overtake you when you walk through the waters I will be with you when you walk through the fire you shall it shall not be kindled upon you even the flames but do we believe it do we trust him the statement's been made and we've all heard it time and time again the grass is greener on the other side Sometimes the grass is greener, but can I tell you, when it comes to your walk with the Lord and going back to the world, the grass is never greener on the other side. The grass is never greener on the other side. Psalms 108.9, you want to know what God thought about Moab? Moab is my wash pot. Moab is my wash pot. And wash pot here in the Hebrew means rashit, which literally means trash can rubberish. Amalek had picked up from where he was supposed to be and was heading over to the trash can to receive what he needed. Can you picture it? You're sitting in a house. You've got a feast there laid before you. Good food. Good clean food. But yet you pick up out of there and you go out to the garbage can to find the food that you want to eat. You wouldn't do it in the physical, would you? You wouldn't go, you don't get up when you sit down at supper time and go to the trash can and pick up what you threw away yesterday. No, you sit down at the table and you eat what is prepared. And this is what a lot of God's children is doing. Instead of pulling up to the table, instead of sticking with the Lord even in the tough times, they're running to the trash pot, to the ways of the world, to suffice their hunger. Amalek went to the trash can to try to see what he needed. And what he didn't even realize, he just stepped out of the frying pan into the fire. He just went from bad to worse. 
So how is it that he resorted to turning to the world to try and suffice his needs? And I can tell you because we've all been there, he took his eyes off of the Lord and he placed it upon the situation. You see, we like to run to Moab because it's comfortable. It's a place of familiarity. And where in the beginning all may be fine and never quite ends up the way that we anticipate it. See, when we go back at it, we begin to dabble in the world. All seems fine in the beginning, but the end of it never ends up in how we anticipated or we thought that it would go. You see, Elimelech only went to sojourn in the country. And that word sojourn means just to visit. Elimelech never planned on staying in Moab. He never planned on staying there and taking up roots. He said, I'm just going to go there and I'm going to receive what it is that I need and I'm going to head on back. He never planned to be a citizen of that country. He only planned to be a foreigner just for a little bit of time. Can I tell you that that's what a lot of Christians are doing today? They're running to the world thinking, I'm not going to stay here long. I'm going to dabble in this. I'm going to dabble in that. And I'm going to get right back over here in the way that I'm at. But what we find is that when you begin to dabble a little bit, roots begin to take place. Bondages begin to occur. Because again, we're placing the trust and faith within ourselves. Let me tell you, you're not stronger than the powers of darkness. They're vying for your soul. They desire to drag each and every one of us off the hell. And they would accomplish it if we're dependent upon ourselves. But praise be to God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He promised me that he would hold me with his right hand of righteousness. So as long as I don't let go, let me tell you, it's just like a father that is holding the hand of a little child. That child, uh, it holds its hand. It doesn't let go and it leads them. And the only time it begins to separate from that hand and that grip that is upon it is when it begins to wrangle. Why? Because the child wants to cut loose and to do his own thing. He won't leave you, but we can leave him. He said he would never leave us, never forsake us. But we are our own free moral agent, and we can do what we want to do, and he'll let us do it. But we have to understand what the repercussions are if we go our own way. So there aren't any who ever went to the trash can of life or even tried and found what they needed and intended on staying alone because you've heard it said before and it, it's true. Sin will keep you longer than you ever planned to stay and it will cost you more than you're ever willing to pay. If you don't believe me, look what happened to Elimelech's family. You see, the road of rebellion is always easy to travel down, but it's never easy to travel up. It was easy for him to go to Moab, no problems. But it was hard for him to travel back. Will you go down that road of rebellion? Will you go down that road of saying, I'm going to do what I want to do? It's easy to walk down it, but it's never quite as easy to get back. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. We think we can play around with the world. The church, many thinks they can play around with it. They can go and receive what it is that they need. But Satan is playing for keeps. He is giving false hope. He is giving false promises. And many of God's children are falling for these false promises. They're falling for this false hope. And thank you, surely this is the right way. And I'll be okay in this. And all in the while, the enemy has set out a plan to steal, to kill, and to ultimately destroy your faith. But I'm thankful that when you go to Jesus, you hear me? You don't go to Moab. You don't go to the ways of the world. But when you're in need, 
But when you go to Jesus, you will find the opposite. Because the scripture goes on to say that you will find life and life more abundantly. Do you realize that that word abundantly means that you will find more than what you could ever need to live this life? We just got the first fruits of his finished work at Calvary. But it's more than enough to be able to live for him and to walk in victory and to enjoy that abundant life that he has came to give us each and every single day. You see, there is an advantage of serving the Lord that the enemy doesn't want us to know that despite our failures, that despite our mess-ups, he will never leave us nor forsake us and again will continue to provide for us exactly what it is that we need. But the enemy don't want us to know that. He don't want us to believe that. He wants us to look like we're all alone, that we've been forsaken, that he's took his eyes off of us. But let me tell you, he's a good, good father. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're perfect in all of your ways. I may not understand what's going on. I don't understand the, the reason why we have to walk through these valleys. But God is perfect in all of his ways. And if you'll trust him, I promise you will come out stronger and know him in a way like never before. Exodus 16, you read the chapter, you will find that the children of Israel had been brought out of the Egyptian bondage. And there they began because times got tough, they mumbled and they grumbled and they complained. That don't sound like any of us, does it? We never grumble, do we? We never begin to complain, do we? But despite their grumbling and despite their complaining, because they didn't have nothing to eat, what did God do? He poured out manna for them. Because he remembered his covenant that he made with his people. Amen. So we see that Elimelech leaves. He brings uh, to the country. And we find here in verse 3 that Elimelech dies. He stepped out of the will of God. He stepped into the world. And Elimelech dies. Leaving Naomi widow to raise two boys all upon her own. And she raises these boys in a land where they don't know the ways of the Lord. Hear me, he, she raised her kids in Moab that taught them the ways of the world. And so the rule of Israel, God's rule and law was they were not to have anything to do with them. They weren't even supposed to marry the Moabite women. But yet these boys are raised up, not in the ways of the world, to marry two Moabitess women. Let me tell you, fathers, and I'm one myself and those of you that are watching, be careful in what you do because you're dragging your family right behind you. Because if we as the priests of the home go in the wrong direction, guess who's falling in right behind us? Your wife and also your children. So again, uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, did, they didn't serve Jehovah and they weren't raised in the ways that they should go. And they married, we see Orpah and Ruth. And what originally was supposed to have been just for a few months ended up turning into a decade of disobedience. What should have been just for a little bit of time ended up resulting in a whole decade of disobedience. So why didn't Naomi turn and go back when Elimelech died? Why didn't, when Elimelech died and she realized, oh my God, we're out of the will of the Lord, why didn't she turn back and go back to where she come from? Probably for the same reason why many will not go back to the Lord when things go south because of their failure to admit that they were wrong. They fail to admit that they messed up, that they went the wrong direction. And we let pride keep us from going back and instead will stay us in the place of emptiness and pain. 
The Bible goes on and verse 5 says, Then if that wasn't bad enough that her husband died, Malon and Chilion also died as well. One decision, one wrong move by one man resulted in Naomi ending up widowed and a mother of two dead sons. That's what wrong move, going to the world would do. Emelech dies, her two boys dies, and now she's standing over three graves crying her heart out all because they went to a place they had no business going to. Let me, I'm trying to get you to see because the enemy is taunting out lies. It doesn't pay to go the way of the world. If you don't believe me, ask Elimelech today. If anything, he could look at you and say if he was able to, don't do what I've done. Because it costed me my life. It costed me my children's life. It costed my wife to be here all by herself. But this place, the Moab, that was looked at was a place of sufficiency. And it ended up being a place of suffering. Because when you leave the house of bread, that is all you will endure is suffering. Never sufficiency. The world will never suffice to you. The world will never give to you what you need. It will only cause you pain and suffering. So here Naomi and Moab standing over three graves all alone, crying, tears pouring out all around her. And then all of a sudden she hears that the famine in Judah is over and the rain was pouring and, and there was bread. So instead of having a pity party when things went bad, which is what Naomi could have done, which is what we like to do sometimes is have a pity party, Naomi gets up, she dries the tears out of her eyes, and she said, you know what, I'm tired of staying here in Moab. I'm not going to continue to stay here where I'm at. I'm getting up, and I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah, where there's bread, where God's pouring out. She had to make the decision. She could have stayed there and ultimately where she would have died. But she said, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go back to where I came from. You see, we've all messed up and we've removed ourselves from what God has told us to be. But again, we don't have to stay there. We can turn back to him. Amen. So John 6, 35 says, And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Let me tell you, what a promise. You're hungry? He's the bread of life. The things of this world will never suffice you. But when you partake of him, he said, he's the bread. You will be full. You see, hearing of the bread does not fill the appetite or fill the longing you have. In fact, Naomi heard about this. But guess what? Her appetite would have never been filled had she not have went on. So hearing about it is just not good enough. We can hear about salvation. We can hear about as Christians going to Jesus to receive what it is that we need. But hearing about it is not good enough. We've got to make a decision to get up and go receive what it is that we need from the Lord. And how many times do we sit down and we deny the Lord from moving in our lives, whether it is because of unbelief or because we're angry or because we don't like what is going on around us. And we are right exactly where the enemy wants us to be when all of the time he's saying, I have what you need. Just believe me. Turn to me. Come to me. She said, God's got blessings. He's got bread. And he is pouring out in Judah. Let me tell you, I thought about this, and I said it one time before. As she heard about the bread being poured out of Judah, I want the people of Yakin County to hear that God is pouring out bread here in Yakinville. 
I don't want just Jackson County to hear it. I want Iredale. I want Davy. I want this whole state. And as other people are clicking in, they're hearing that there is bread here in Yakinville. That's what I want to be heard. The greatest thing that can be said about this church is not how big it is. It's not how beautiful we sing. It's not how well that we play the instruments. But it's the fact that the Spirit of Almighty God is here. His presence is here. He's moving in the hearts and lives of His people. He's pouring out. God's people are receiving what it is that they need. Oh my God, I've got to get over there. I don't know what's going on, but I've got to get over there and receive what it is that I need. Amen. Or some of you that are watching by the way of camera, and I believe it and I know it, you said you've been tremendously blessed and you are within driving distance. You need to get here. It's not the same sitting at home. Get here with your brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it's time for some of us to get up and go. That's why I told you to underline those three words in verse 6. Then she arose. See, it's time for us to get up and go receive what it is that we need from the Lord. We're all in need of the Lord today. We're all in need of what he only has to provide. But we've got to get up and get moving. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. We see the story of the four leprous men. And what is it that they said? Shall we just sit here until we die? Why stay here until we die? Either way, we don't have any chance. But let me tell you, when they went, they lived. Why are you wanting to stay in the place where you're at? You don't have to die in Moab. You can live in Judah. Amen. She didn't care about what people thought or what her situation was. She just knew that she had to return to where she come from. See, she was returning to where she, her need was always met, where she was never in want before. So you may be asking, what is it in this bread? What is it that he's pouring out? He's giving out forgiveness. He's giving out healing. He's pouring out healing and victory and deliverance. He's giving out peace. He's giving out restoration. He's giving out life. So why in the world are we not going to him to receive what he's pouring out? Why is it that we're not turning to him to receive what it is? Why are we not doing like Naomi? We've got to get up and go. It's time for some of us to get up and go to God and get what it is that we need of him. When hearing about it is not good enough, go receive what it is that the Lord has for you. You see, he's on the move, and the time for dwelling in the land of Moab is over. Because I don't know about you, but I want to receive all that I can, and it's found in my heavenly Judah, Jesus. It's found in my heavenly Judah, Jesus. When deciding on how to close this message out, I asked the Lord, and the Lord began to place upon me a passage of scripture and it's all a sermon within itself but I won't go through the details or go through it in a long way because you've all heard the story and we've all heard it time and time again but Luke chapter 15 we see the story of the prodigal son and there was two sons that were here that belonged to the king both were in the father's house both was receiving all that they needed and wanted but one son looks at the father and says, give me my inheritance right now. Give me my portion right now. And the father gives him his portion. The father gives him what he wants. And it's not just but a few days later, he leaves. He takes what he's got and he leaves. 
See, that was his first mistake. First of all, he wanted what the Father had instead of wanting the Father. That's where we mess up. Secondly, he then leaves. And the Bible says that he went out and he began to spend all that he had, but he found himself, the Bible says, being in want. Because when you leave the Father's house, you will always be in want. And he finds himself after spending all of his inheritance, spending all of his portion, not having no way to eat, he then says that I'm going to go, and he served in the lowest role that he could have in feeding the swine and feeding the pigs. And in fact, things got so bad that not only was he there attending the pigs, but he found himself eating the same thing that the pigs were eating. That's how low sin can take you. It takes you to the depths of their, it, it is horrible, it's dastardly. But then all of a sudden, and that, that the fact that he was in the place that he was in was the same reason why Ruth was. There was a famine, there was a want. But what he did was the same thing that Naomi did. He said, I'm going back to my father's house. I'm going back to where I was never in want. I'm going back, and I, if I don't have to do nothing more, but just go back and be a hired servant. And the Bible says that he began to go back to the place where he come from. And there he thought that he would be met probably with condemnation and judgment. But oh no, what does the Bible say? The father sent him from afar off and said, My son has come home. Go kill the fattest calf. Go get the robe. Go get the ring. He's come home. Because he made the decision not to stay where he was at, but to go back to where he come from. So my question is to you today, maybe you've wavered off of the path that the Lord had you on. Those of you that are watching my internet, I don't know the hearts of those that are in here. Only God does. But maybe we wavered off of the path. We've, we've left the path that God had called us to live or maybe we've never been on that path and we find ourselves in want we find ourselves in famine and our life is in ruin but today the Lord's saying come back home and what about us as Christians maybe our walk with the Lord isn't what it used to be it's time to come back home maybe we've been experiencing spiritual famine in our own life Maybe you feel that there's a famine in your own soul. Well, today you can be filled up. Today there can be an end to that famine. All you've got to do is turn to Him. The famine will never be over until you get back to the place where He called you to be. Maybe you would say, I desire for Him to pour out bread in my life. Well, can I tell you, He has an endless supply. He has an endless supply. Whatever you need today is found in Him. Don't make the decision to walk back out that door the same way that you came in. He's got what you need. You need healing. You need victory. You need Him to move upon a situation. It's time to bring it to Him and receive. Go get it. Go get what He's got for you. So as He begins to play whatever it is that He plays, I just simply ask you to respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. That whatever it is that you may need, Come to these altars and let him give to you what only he can provide. Amen.
entire service. He's been drawing your heart to receive from him what it is that you need for a long time. And today he's saying to come to him and to receive what it is that you need. You've been looking to the wrong direction for far too long, but today the Lord is saying, come to me. He desires to pour out. He desires to give to you. He says it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we praise you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing even right now in the midst of your people, God. Lord, you're moving, Lord, and you can only do what only you can do, Lord. 
God, I thank you, Lord, for the hearts and lives that you've touched. Lord, for the hearts and lives that you are touching, God, and for the hearts and lives that you are going to touch, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you did for us at Calvary, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would never deter, Lord, from the path, Lord, of righteousness, God. Lord, from this way of living, Lord, that you have called us to, God. But I pray that you would strengthen your people, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, some has been gone weary, Lord. Some have grown weary, Lord, in this race that you have called us to run. But Lord, your word says that if we'll not grow weary, Lord, in due season we shall reap, Lord. There is many that has been weeping all night, but Lord, your word tells us that joy is coming in the morning, Lord. And God, I pray right now you pour out upon your people, Lord, that is here, those that are watching by the way of internet, God, that you would meet those needs that are there. Lord, there are many that are needing victory right now. There are many right now that are in need of deliverance, that are in need of healing. And Lord, they're turning to you right now to receive it. Lord, for those that are in need of salvation, God, Lord, they're turning to you, Lord. We believe we hear the sounds of hearts returning unto you, Lord. We believe we hear the sound of hearts coming back to you, Lord. And God, we lift up our family before you. We lift up our sons and daughters before you. Lord, we lift up our grandchildren, Lord, our nieces, our nephews, Lord, our brothers and sisters, Lord. We lift them up before you, God, and we trust you with them, Lord. Lord, for every trouble that it is that we might be enduring, God. Lord, let us believe you, God. And let us trust you, Lord, that you've already conquered the enemy. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done this day, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And I pray that your word continues, Lord God, to go with your people, Father, when they leave this place, Father. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Just worship his name right now, saints. Just worship him for who he is. He's holy. He's holy and he's righteous. He loves his people. He's a good father. He loves to pour out. He loves to bless his children. He loves to do what only he can do. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we honor you, Lord. We give you all of the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, be with your people as they leave this place, God. Lord, I just pray you continue to move on their behalf, God. Let them trust you, Lord. Let them believe you, Lord, even when times get hard, Lord. And continue to hold on to your hand. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank each and every one of you for being with us today. We thank you for watching, by the way, the internet, those that have tuned in. Be back with us tonight at 6 p.m. Go and tell someone about Jesus. Amen. Worship him and praise him for who he is. And be back with us tonight. We'll see you. Be blessed.